What's up, peeps? Welcome back. As always, I'm your host, Lee Benson. Thank you so much for joining us for our podcast edition of the AEW Insider. Well, Double or Nothing Legit got over a couple minutes ago, and holy fuck, was that one hell of a pay-per-view. WWE, you really need to start taking notes. You can throw shade all you want, but AEW is where the fuck it's at. It was awesome. Not happy with all the winners because it was real, real obvious and they should go a different way, which I tweet and I bitch to Tony Khan about all the time and he never responds, but it was still a great pay-per-view. Um, I had this written out. I had the winners updated, but these matches aren't going to be in the order that the pay-per-view had, so I apologize. But anyway, uh, remember, if you want to win a Series 1 Chris Jericho action figure, stick around to the end of the show. So let's get to the double or nothing results. In the buy-in pre-show, we did have Private Party versus Best Friends. On my prediction show, I I picked Best Friends to win, and Best Friends did win. The Best Friends are the new number one contenders for the tag team titles, and trust me, they will be tag team champs soon enough. We also had Sean Spears versus Dustin Rhodes. Now, this was later in the pay-per-view, and it surprised me. I'm happy it was because I love Sean Spears, but it was a late addition to, uh, excuse me, the pay-per-view overall. So I thought it would be on a pre-show or the first match, but it wasn't. It was much later. Uh, Sean Spears came out in a suit. He was acting like, for some reason, Dustin Rhodes wasn't going to show the fuck up. Of course, Dustin Rhodes showed up. He was in full gear, had his makeup on, and he literally beat the piss out of Sean Spears all the way down to his boxers and in the front of his boxers where you know what would be it was actually a little picture of Tully Blanchard which was insane but um I did pick Sean Spears the win I was hoping it was going to be the start to him getting a proper push he deserves but in the end Dustin Reynolds actually won he actually whooped Sean Spears ass we did have my dog MJF Versus Jungle Boy. Now, I predicted MJF would win, and I also thought that Luchasaurus and Wardlow would really get into it and would lead to their match. Uh, in the end, though, my dog MJF won, of course. It was a dope-ass match. That kid is the future. He actually will be your AEW champion soon enough. Uh, we also did have Penelope Ford versus Chris Statlander. Like I said in my uh, prediction show, Dr. Britt Baker could have been injured, and unfortunately she is. And like they are saying, that she could be out quite a while. It sucks because, like I say, she should have been the first AEW Women's Champion. Um, she sucked on the mic at first. She wasn't that great in the ring, but she improved on both of them. She turned heel. She was on her way again. Boom, another injury on a fucking uh, on the TV show. And I'm telling you, she's injury-prone like Sasha Banks. It's a damn shame. But both of those ladies would be way higher than they are, even though they are high enough already. But it's those goddamn injuries. So Penelope Ford took her place, and Chris Statlander made very, very short work of her and took the win. Uh, we did have the TNT Championship match, which was Cody versus Lance Archer. Mike Tyson, again, was the belt presenter. These guys whooped the shit out of each other. But for real, Lance Archer pretty much dominated. That guy showed his strength. He was beating Cody's fucking ass like a rag doll. As soon as the match started, he literally hit him with his finisher. He went for the pin, but Cody rolled out of the ring and saved his life, or it would have been over in three seconds. 
Arn Anderson and Jake the Snake kept getting involved. The referee asked if Arn Anderson got involved after one spot. Mike Tyson said he didn't, told them to get the fuck out of there, which was crazy. So Arn got kicked out, so did Jake. Lance Archer was waving for somebody to come from the back. I thought it was going to be for somebody from WWE got fired, but it was Jake the Snake with the snake in a bag. But in the end, actually, Cody Rhodes hit Lance Archer with two fucking um, crossroads, and it was the first TNT championship. And I'm pissed about that, because like I said, as soon as this tournament was announced, even though there were great people in it who really deserved the push and deserves to be the TNT champion, this whole fucking tournament and belt was made for Cody, because months ago, even though Tony Khan was against it, he agreed and let Cody do that stupid fucking, if I lose, I can't challenge for the AEW championship. So, they created his own belt for him and they had him win it. It was a fucking waste and I'm pissed about that. I'm a huge Cody fan but that was not cool and I did call that and as soon as the match was over I tweeted Tony Khan and I was bitching at him because the EVPs are always winning. It's bullshit. We also did have the AEW Championship uh, title shot match. It was the Casino Ladder match. So everyone gets a shot at the AEW belt. Like I said, there's supposed to be a mystery participant, and there actually was. It was actually Brian Cage. Brian Cage really did sign with AEW. He is in AEW, and Brian Cage actually won the ladder match. So at the next pay-per-view, whenever it happens, he will be challenging the winner of Moxley and Brody Lee for the AEW title. Uh, we did have Nyla Rose versus Sheeta. Uh, Nyla Rose, I mean, excuse me, I was going to say Nyla Rose won. I predicted Nyla Rose to win, but actually Sheeta won. And she actually is your new AEW Women's Champion. And you see the domino effect ever since Britt Baker got injured? Because Britt Baker would have fucking, what you call, won that match and would have been going after Nyla Rose. I mean, what you call, would have won her match and would have been fighting Nyla Rose for that belt. But since, since Britt lost, they gave it to fucking Sheeta. So Sheeta is your new champion, which was fucking crazy. Uh, we did have John Moxley versus Brody Lee for the AEW Championship. And just hold it right there, peeps. I don't mean to do that to you, but I just checked the time. You got to pay the bills. Remember, we got the winner of the Moxley versus Brody Lee match, and I got the fucking review of the Stadium Stampede match and who won. And that match was fucking awesome. So make sure you come right back. All right, peeps, welcome back. Remember to show us some love on all major podcasting platforms, also on Facebook and YouTube under the AEW Insider, and on Twitter under the AEW Insider 1, as in the number one. Let's get back to that double or nothing pay-per-view. Next, we did have the exalted one, Mr. Brody Lee versus John Moxley for the AEW Championship match. Now, as always, you know when Mox gets in the ring, if he has his way, it's going to be fucking physical. These two are fucking physical-ass dudes. Brody's a big-ass dude. Mox has got all the heart. They literally beat the piss out of each other. Towards the end of the match, Mox gave him the paradigm shift on the stage, like off the steps, 
onto the stage, and yo, they legit literally both went through the fucking stage through the floor. It had to be set up, or the person didn't build it right, which I don't want to believe, but I mean, it looks somewhat of a botch, because they got fucked up. Mox crawled out of it, got back into the ring, little bit Brody came out, he bladed himself when he was under the fucking stage, so he was crimson red with blood, got in the ring, they went out it, Mox literally had to put the big man to sleep in the sleeper hole with both of them laying on the mat and he he took him out he got his belt back pretty much said you're the man anybody who knows who wants to come for me blah 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 whoop your fucking ass yada yada he said he put up a good fight da 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 took his belt back he finally got it back in his possession and he bounced so we know moxie is going to be fighting brian cage next but that match was awesome but i give you my word i don't say this lightly because you guys know i keep it real this next match that stadium stampede match Holy fuck. I was going to say at first it's the best gimmick match I've seen in a long time, but literally it's the best gimmick match that I've seen in my entire fucking life. These guys use the whole stadium. <clears throat> they came out like football players, how they have the smoke. They're coming from the back. The, uh, the inner circle was literally dressed in football outfits. They were calling them out one by one, like Chris Jericho, number whatever. They came out, fucking there's cheerleaders there with masks on. There's a band there live on the field with masks on. Then the elite came on. They used the ring for a little bit, but they literally were all over the fucking stadium. On the field, backstage, in the arena, on the seats. One uh, Hangman Page was on this fucking horse. Later in the match, uh, Jake Hager was looking for Hangman Page, couldn't find him. Of course, his alcoholic ass was in the bar. They had a bar fight. Kenny Omega came and got involved. Fucking there's a swimming pool on one of the tiers of Jacksonville fucking stadium. Uh, Matt Hardy took on both the fucking, um, excuse me. LAX, even though they're not LAX in here, Santana Ortiz, he took a bolt on in the swimming pool. They were trying to drown the living shit out of him. Matt Hardy kept switching personalities. He even busted out Matt Hardy version one and was doing the fucking sick, the, the hand sign that he did in WWE for all those years. And he kept doing it. And they even had the version one stat pop up on screen. If you're an old school wrestler for the 90s attitude area and you watch Matt Hardy version one, they would always have like the Matt Hardy little tips and facts that pop up. They actually did that on AEW. I know Vince McMahon is fucking pissed, and I don't even know how he got away with doing that, if he even was allowed to do it. It was crazy, but it was fucking awesome. So those guys fucking just beat the piss out of each other. One point, Sammy Guevara was knocked out because Matt Jackson literally gave him those suplexes where he doesn't let go like Eddie Guerrero did from one end of the field, 100 yards all the way to the other. Even, of course, they, they cut away with the camera it wasn't really continuous. They made it look that way. But Sammy Guevara got up and he thought he had won because he didn't see anybody. And here came Matt Hardy and Kenny Omega in the golf cart because they disposed of Hager in the bar. They chased him up the stands and all that. It was fucking crazy. Uh, what you call it? At the end, uh, I forget what was going to happen. Sammy was winning or some shit. But then, you know, Vanguard won Matt Hardy's little drone. Well, a new one came and it was called Neo One. If you follow Matt Hardy, 
and his brother Nero, Jeff Hardy. It was named after Jeff Hardy. So his new drone is named Nero One. And we know that Nero, brother Nero, will be going to AEW once he fulfills his contract obligations with WWE, which is awesome. But in the end, Kenny Omega hit fucking Sammy Guevara with a one-winged angel off some top of platform all the way to the floor below. And the Elite did win the stadium match. It was fucking awesome. I mean, like, legit awesome, peeps. All right. If you didn't watch the pay-per-view, make sure you do that. I got a little wrestling news for you, as always. All right. Now, while speaking of Wrestling Inc., Matt Hardy revealed what he told Tony Khan about possibly working with New Japan Wrestling. Matt Hardy admitted that he didn't think his body could handle a part-time schedule in New Japan Pro Wrestling while working for AEW. He said, if a match for New Japan is in Hardy's future, it will likely just be a program that leads up the Wrestle Kingdom, like Jericho has done in the past. Hardy said, I could do New Japan if it makes sense. In my conversation with Tony, I said if I was going to do New Japan, I'd be interested in maybe doing a small feud that ended at Wrestle Kingdom. I wouldn't want to go to New Japan and work a part-time schedule. I don't think my body could handle that with the wear and tear and traveling. I'm very happy doing this one day a week at AEW. Later, once society gets back to normal in the future, I can do outside appearances and signing. There's so much creative freedom and freedom schedule, freedom of schedule with AEW. And that is the truth. AEW is the bomb. And real quick, it's just to backtrack. Fucking um, tonight again, the EVPs and AEW reign supreme. The elite, Cody Rhodes taking that title. It's bullshit. I've told Tony Khan, even though he doesn't respond to me since day one, you cannot keep giving the fucking elites and the EVPs all the gold because it's not going to make it fun. If there could be a downfall to AEW or whatever could happen in the future, it would definitely be because of the fucking EVPs. All right, peace. We got to come back. I got WWE news random wrestling news make sure you stay tuned all right peeps welcome back let's finish up the show i do apologize i have a lot of great stories i just don't have enough time but i promise i'll save them for the next podcast as long as the story this information is not too old by then got a great john moxley story what have you but on the wwe on After the Bell, Seth Rollins talked about jobs he had before and had while becoming a pro wrestler and how his passion for wrestling did interfere. He said, I couldn't keep jobs between 18 and 20 years old, 21 years old, because I was traveling so much. My favorite one, I got fired from the YMCA. Not once, but twice. I worked at the Y so I could get a free Y membership to work out there. I got fired twice. One of them was because I fell asleep in the break room. I opened the thing at 5 a.m. on a Monday or whatever, but I had a show in Cleveland the night before, so I didn't get back till 3 a.m. I hadn't slept. I had wrestled in Chicago the night before, so I really hadn't slept in three days, essentially a few naps in the car and a few naps on the floor. So I was sleeping in the break room at 5 a.m. when no one was in the gym, and they caught me. The next day, we're like, yeah, we got to let you go. I was talking to my friend on the treadmill. I had a little name tag on, and she was on the treadmill just doing her thing. We were chatting. She got distracted by my rugged good looks, and she fell off the treadmill, you know? One of the missteps. My first instinct was to laugh, because what am I going to do? It's hilarious when someone falls off a treadmill. Now, mind you, I went and I made sure it was all sorted out and all that. 
By the end of the day, they didn't like the way I laughed at her when she fell, and I got fired again. The Undertaker has gone on record and told how he felt about the Montreal screw job when they screwed Bret Hart out of his title and gave it to Shawn Michaels and how it went down from his point of view. Taker said, yeah, it was, uh, I was pissed. I was pissed about the whole thing because I felt like there I possibly could have been used to get what they needed. Like, you know, take Sean out of this. Let me do it. And then I'll do business on the other side. I think Brett probably would have went for that. I mean, it was such a disdain at the time between the two of them. And Brett was going, you know. Brett was leaving. But I was just kind of at the point I was like, if you just let me come and let me do this with him, it'd be really good. I think we could work this out. But I was like, dude, I think they could have helped this thing out a lot. I'm right here. <clears throat> excuse me. And you know. I'm going to do the business. And if I could talk to Brett about it backstage, he would have too. But when it did happen, I was really pissed. The next day, I don't know. We were supposed to show up by noon for a TV day. I think it rolled around 5 p.m. the next day. Because I didn't know, and I was so pissed about the whole thing and the way it went down, I had to really gather myself. My intentions when I got there was like, I'm going to go off on somebody about this, you know? I was really disappointed in the whole situation, and I didn't want to put myself in that situation because I was really angry. I don't want to go there and start. I mean, believe me, Vince and I have had our disagreements, but it was the issues that were more centered on what I had going on, not what anybody else was doing. So he's right. You really don't want to rock the boat, even though you're passionate about it. So he said I had to figure it out. Okay, I need to hear Vince's side of this and then give my perspective and at least say, look, if this kind of shit happens again, you got to involve me here. Because it doesn't have to go down like this. And you know, he agreed. And I guess it all worked out. It was just sad because it, I was really tight with Brett. And Brett could have done things differently himself. And Sean could have done things differently also. Vince could have done things differently. It could have been, but then, just like you said, that's one of the great wrestling stories of the decade, the Montreal screw job. And he's right. Undertaker is very, very highly praised backstage. People listen to him. They have a thing called wrestler's court. When you do something fucked up, the wrestlers actually decide what happens to you. They'll make people get dressed outside the locker room like they did with The Miz. They'll kick people off a fucking bus like uh, Roman Reigns did to somebody. I forget, Leo Rush or somebody back in the day but taker if he would have talked to brett they definitely could have worked it out so i hear what he's saying talking it talking about taker the origin of the people's elbow has been revealed come to find out the rock came up with the people's elbow to make undertaker break character we know that for eons the undertaker took his gimmick very seriously well the rock wanted to put an end to all that and it was very cool after he did it trying to make undertaker laughter in a match it caught on like wildfire so they actually kept doing it so that is how the people's elbow came about uh heat slate on the random wrestling news i'm trying to wrap this up if this cuts off i'm sorry peeps you only give me so much time and i'm trying to give you guys this great news uh heat slater discussed the rise and falls of his old faction the nexus personally i love the nexus and because of john cena all those guys got fucking screwed about the debut of the nexus it was one of those moments where people are still talking about it a decade later People still remember it. I always say it in the locker room. Hey, we need to bring the Nexus back. And they're like, Keith, that was seven years ago. Stop it. But I'm telling you, if Nexus came back full tilt and Wade came back as our leader and we had the solid seven, the man, 
Watch out, exclaimed Slater, and he is right. Wade Barrett, the Nexus was awesome. He said the start of the fall by the infamous SummerSlam match about the Nexus. It all goes down to the SummerSlam, and that was the death of us, with Cena beating everyone at the end. It was just one of those things where it's like, come on, man. We could have easily took over. We could have ran with it, made it interesting, and made a mega group to, dest to destroy at Mania or something like that. It could have been so good, but it got ended shortly. But then again, there's been a lot of storylines ended shortly, Slater said. And he is right. They could have ran roughshod like the Shield did, waited for a big event, then Cena could have won. But they did. They scrubbed them, and after that Cena thing, none of them ever fucking came back from it. Well, we've had another tragic loss in the wrestling world due the online cyberbullying. Japanese wrestling uh, wrestler Hana Komura has passed away. It is feared the 22-year-old took her own life after posting self-mutilated images on her social media account. It's since been deleted, but that's what happened. People were cyberbullying her, and a chick actually took her own life, which is fucking insane. Many superstars have spoken out about her death, including Alexa Bliss, who said the bullies involved in these type of situations should be held responsible, and Rusev himself said this shit has got to stop. Uh, Ring Size News reported, while speaking of Wrestling Inc., uh, Hardy revealed that he, oh, I apologize, I already did this part, I don't want to go over it again, peace, don't mind me, man, I just wanted to get you this show, but I already brought you this news, this story. I promise you next time I will bring in a John Moxley story, and I have a couple other good ones, but I gotta wrap it up, and I almost repeated one of them twice, so I apologize. Remember, if you do want to win a Chris Jericho AEW action figure, go to our YouTube channel, it's under the AEW Insider. You have to be a subscriber, so if you're not a sub, make sure you do so. Then just pick any video, like, share, and comment. Just like, share, and comment, and be a subscriber, and boom, in August when they ship, you will get a Chris Jericho action figure if you are the chosen one. And they actually had a commercial for the action figures tonight during the Double or Nothing pay-per-view, and they're fucking awesome. Now, like I said before, I don't want to hear you guys pitching if you're not in the drawing, because some people will subscribe, one personal comment, one personal like, but they won't share, vice versa. If you want to actually be entered, you have to do all four of those things. Remember to show us some love on all major podcasts platforms, even on Facebook and YouTube under the AEW Insider, and on Twitter under the AEW Insider 1, as in the number one. And peeps, if you did miss the AEW Double Nothing pay-per-view and you want to see a fucking damn good pay-per-view, make sure you catch that replay, because it was off the hook tonight. All right, I'll see you peeps soon. Ciao. <laughs>